You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FNB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, technical issues meant that we couldn't speak last week. There's lots going on since then, so maybe it was a good thing. If I look at the JSC today, for example, it looks like the volume's pretty good, but you've got uh, companies like Richemont and Sassel doing so well, really, really big companies boosting the market. I hear reports of people suddenly saying that after a bad year, Process and Naspers will be doing well as well, and on the downside, you've got Aspen after their late trading update last night. So lots and lots going on. Also on the economic front, before you weigh in, 3.3% rise in retail sales today and 5.9% increase year on year in inflation. So it's a busy time for you. Yes, sir. Yes, it is, I must say. But still, all of those things you mentioned are important. But the most important one of all is still US inflation. Yes. That's in fact, that's in fact, Almost all that matters. And that came in at 7%. Let me just give you three pieces of inflation data at the top of the list. Number one, United States of America, 7% uh, during the month of December. Then you've got uh, UK inflation for the month of December coming out this morning at 5.4%, which is the highest level for 30 years. And the other one was, uh, as I said earlier, a slightly later one or a slightly earlier one because we're not quite as efficient at collecting data in South Africa, but uh, 5.9% close to the Reserve Bank's band. So inflation is a global story, but you contend that the US is the one to watch. Yes, well, I mean, correct. It, it is a global story. So we cannot just see the US inflation in isolation, but the US of the countries with an inflation problem yeah. and of the countries that influence where the rest of the world's going and especially where stock markets are going, the US is the most important. So that's why I say it's important. And of course, the big danger is if inflation stays at seven, short-term interest rates must go up towards seven and should, and so must the long bond. And should that occur, the equity market will come collapsing down around our ears. But it's not going to go up. It's not going to go up in line with inflation. We know that, Wayne. It has to over time. Over time, no, look, look. Okay, let's, take, let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. If inflation, any number, if inflation is at 5%, yes. interest rates cannot remain below 5% indefinitely because ultimately that fuels inflation. So you cannot have negative real interest rates over time because ultimately you end up as Zimbabwe with a 3 million percent inflation if you persist with interest rates lower than inflation over time. And that's what America found in the 1970s. In the high inflation years of the 70s, they kept interest rates below the inflation rate and inflation just went higher until in the early 80s they said, this is unsustainable and they increased interest rates to above inflation to actually counteract inflation. So you can do it in a short time period, but you cannot do it indefinitely. You have to have real interest rates. Now in America, you've got interest rates, talking short term now, at zero and inflation at seven. I mean, this is totally unprecedented that you have such a big gap between inflation and interest rates, a negative gap between inflation and interest rate, which is also, as I mentioned, totally and utterly unsustainable over time. 
What sort of time? You say overtime. What is time? Because it's been a dozen years now that I can remember, maybe even before, that interest rates, sorry, inflation has been higher than interest rates uh, consistently in the United States of America. And now it's at its most pronounced. Let's say that interest rates, for argument's sake, you go to the bank and the bank says, uh, certainly, Mr. McCurry, uh, we'll give you 1% on your deposit. And you'll say, but wait a second, inflation is 7%. They'll say, well, whatever. But that's a 6% gap. That's, yeah. mass- that's massive. How long is overtime? Yes, it can't sustain it for more than, I don't know, two, three years. But the market will look forward. Okay, the, the, you know, the real danger is not what you've explained to me. The real danger is you want to buy a motor car, interest rates are 1%, inflation is 7%. You're going to buy that car today. You're not going to wait a year. Yeah. You will borrow money and buy that car today. So this fuels further demand, which in turn will fuel inflation. And the you know the higher inflation also fuels higher demand for uh, for for wage increases and salary increases. So it is unsustainable to have interest rates below the inflation rate for any extended time period. And if the market had to sniff that that's the case, and it says that hyperinflation is on the way, you know it will not take that kindly at all because the market will preempt that so and and but the us knows this i mean the us federal bank knows this. so what i think the outcome will be is i still maintain inflation will come down to two percent three percent by the end of the year it's it's quite clear that uh, a lot of the factors driving up inflation are temporary that they're not structural mm. then should that occur interest rates will go up to two percent or three percent but the market will more than likely be able to absorb that. You know, when I say absorb that, what, what, what I mean is it won't collapse around your ears. Because, and, and understand, there's, it's, it's truly dangerous territory that the, the valuation territory that the markets are in now should interest rates go up significantly. I mean, this, this, this environment we're on now in now is as dangerous as any other time in the past, whether it's 2008 or 2002, there is the very real possibility that the share market can halve if inflation doesn't fall. Okay, for for inflation not to fall, these 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 huge rises, and again the Commodity Research Bureau index this morning, where it's reset every twenty four hours. This morning is at a multi year mm. high. It's at a seven or eight year high. I, I, I think it is. Yeah. It just keeps on going on and on, and it's not just a gradual rise. This is just this is spiky stuff. Away, um, and, and when you analyse inflation, if you look at the South African numbers today, for example. It wasn't just one sort of one area. It wasn't just petrol prices. It was a broad-based rally in prices because of post-pandemic spending and also because of the supply chain effect of energy prices. I've, I've got a pencil in my hand now. I, have, I habitually have a pencil in my hand. It's, it's, it's made of wood. So wood prices have gone up. Pulp manufacturers, wood manufacturers have to manufacture these things by using machines which run on energy. Energy prices have gone up. Then they put it in a truck and the distributor takes these pencils uh, somewhere and uh, eventually they get to a retailer and the price of petrol for the truck has gone up. So it's logical. It just keeps on going. Oil's eighty-eight dollars a barrel, Wayne. Yes, oil's the one that oil the one oil is the one that truly worries me, to be honest. Mm. Because uh, 
all other commodities, you look at platinum, iron ore, they have fallen. <laughs> so when you come to a year-on-year measurement at some stage this year, those percentage increases will go to zero. But oil's got the potential to go. Oil hasn't fallen. No. Exactly the opposite. But of actually. course, the true worry, the true worry is wages in wages in inflation. Look, our inflation rate in South Africa is is almost unimportant in an environment where you're worried about US inflation. I mean, whatever our inflation is here, it's not because of excess demand. No. It's not because consumers are too rich and spending too much money, which might be the case in and that wages are going up significantly. That might be the case in America that wages are going to go up because that's let's call it that sustainable inflation. All the all, all, all the rest of it's almost timing. It's funny you should speak about cars, actually, because you're going to buy a car now because of the differential between inflation and interest rates. I noticed in the UK inflation, uh, they went through the big movers. In the last year, Wayne, used car sales, used car prices, excuse me, are up 28%. Now, you're you're Mm. a car man, and the only people that make cars out of cars, uh, make money out of cars, (laughs) are the manufacturers, first of all. That's the first one. And secondly, people like you who buy uh, vintage cars, you tinker with them, you do them up. And because um, because there's so much money in the system over the last 15, 20 years or something, people love vintage cars because they're a scarce commodity. So they're not going to go down in price yes. if they're a good car like a Jaguar. They will keep on going up in price. But if you'd have bought a used car, just a, a normal bog standard saloon in the UK a year ago, you could sell yeah. it now for a profit which mm. is which 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 hasn't happened in history i don't think yeah i don't i don't think so either i mean i i i refuse to buy a new car for that very reason is that you I mean i bought my my daily driver i bought two years ago or whatever yeah and i bought it as a five-year-old car right and i paid one quarter of this of this of the selling price so in the US, you've got the same thing. US motor car, US used car inflation is 30% year on year. Some used cars are selling more, selling for more than the new equivalent because you can't get the new equivalent. But there's, there's, there's one thing we do know about the capitalistic system. It is ruthlessly efficient at taking out bottlenecks because there's money to be made here. You know the the, the 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 ability to solve a problem, whether it's chip shortages or timber shortages or, or any shortage, is actually quite astonishing. It's, it's it's to me it's similar to last year with the vaccines. You know, at the beginning of the year, there weren't enough vaccines. By the end of the year, you're swimming in vaccines. You know, so the capitalistic system will sort out these supply these supply bottlenecks. Very soon, in, in in my view, very efficiently and very soon, in in my view, but but inherent wage inflation, you can't just it doesn't go away; it persists. Now, I heard a very strong argument today. Yes, I don't know if this is the reality or not. I heard a strong argument today. Someone came up and said, "Yeah, we're hearing about all of these supplier bottlenecks, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but it's not because production is down; it's because demand is up." Yeah. So in other words, when you look at production statistics, it's actually high. It's, it's actually so the world's churning out the stuff at full capacity, 
but there's more demand than what there is supply. And of course, that's worrying because that is truly inflationary. Yes, and also the wage inflation story. I mean, there, there are various sectors of the economy that are short of skilled labour. And so they're mm. offering people sign-on incentives. I mean, whether it be in the UK of, of, I think it was something like a lorry driver can get anything between five and £10,000 signing on fee for doing yes. this job because they haven't, they simply don't have the drivers to drive the pencil. Uh, I, I mentioned pulp. I, I should have mentioned yeah. lumber, of course. I'm not pulp. I was looking yeah. at my, my diary. Uh, but uh, the point is, one of the reasons these prices are going up is because they're so scarce. I mean, I can't, for example, yes. buy a mask in the Netherlands. One of the new because they're making it mandatory to to wear the white masks, the the fancy ones, rather than those blue things. So there's these bottlenecks in the system. The question is, when will the demand fall off, and when will the bottlenecks be released? No, the bottlenecks, as I said, bottlenecks don't worry me. Capitalistic system is very good at sorting out bottlenecks, but inherent wage inflation is far more far more persistent. I mean, I, the U.S. is at full employment, hmm. absolute full employment. There are more jobs than people. And I mean, I can remember the last, the last well, on one of the other previous occasions where this happened, which was the late 1990s, I actually toured America. And as you go down High Street America, I mean, I'm not talking about the big cities. I'm talking about the smaller cities. Yes. You drive down High Street America and every, every business has got their billboards on the road. And normally you would read, you know, come here, two for one special, your this meal's on special, this accommodation is on special. Every single billboard just said, now hiring, please come work for us. I mean, it is astonishing. There are more jobs than people. And this wage story is actually an, 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 a, a, it's an issue. I still think we'll be okay because I... The true danger of rising interest rates is if there's a debt bubble around that rising interest rates can burst. And there isn't. And there is a debt bubble. There is a debt bubble, but it's a government debt bubble. It's okay. not a, a corporate or a, or a consumer debt bubble. So this bout of rising interest rates isn't about to burst a bubble. So I don't think it will have a dramatic effect on the underlying health of the economy, because there you need a debt bubble to burst for that to be materially affected. But it can still affect the valuation of the share market quite dramatically. When I look at the JSC today, uh, with about an hour to go to the close, I've got uh, the following. We've got Kumba Iron Ore up 7.7%, Richemont up 4 and 3 quarters, Impala Platinum up 4.4, Discam 4.3. It's a broad-based rally, and the ones on the downside are ones with specific stories. But it must be very yeah. interesting for you. And somebody said to me, why is the South African domestic equity stock market doing so well? And I said, I don't know. Interest rates are going up. Inflation's going up. GDP growth is still her forecast to be relatively anemic this year, despite the post-pandemic bounce back. And I can only think that somebody has taken or some, some influential investors have said, we like emerging markets. South Africa is an emerging market, and it, it, they've they've had their bad times. It'll stabilise and get better, and they've just started buying, not indiscriminately, yes. but but buying. Do, do you get that impression? Yes, definitely, and it might it, it is, it's probably a lot of domestic buyers as well, yeah. because SA Incorporated, SA Inc shares are quite cheap. 
and that's why they're buying it. It's not because the economy looks that great, as we know it doesn't. It doesn't look bad, but it certainly doesn't look great. And we all know the myriad of problems that South Africa has, and you could spend forever talking about that. But it doesn't matter. Even in that type of environment, the shares are relatively cheap. So when you look at financials, have been performing extremely well over the, over the last little while. South African shares, as you said, Diskem, Mr. Price, these shares are doing well simply because they look, South African shares look reasonably priced and people, local and foreign, are actually buying them. Well, long may that continue, Wayne. Um, let's talk about um, yes. uh, more, more, more uh, interesting matters now. Uh, how, how did the Christmas um, food situation pan out? Oh, no, it was fantastic, I must say. The whole, the whole Christmas story was really, really just good. Okay, go first on. Of all, mm. First of all, there were just the two of us. Nice. Which was wonderful. And maybe that was the best part about Christmas. There were only two people at Christmas lunch. Lovely. So that um, and, and it truly is lovely. We had lots of other social occasions where we met everyone and had had social activities and interactions and little parties and get-togethers. But on Christmas Day, it was just the two of us, and we had a lovely roast rack of lamb with you know the, the actual rack with about six chops on it mm. and we had my my hot favorite which huh. is gammon right. and then just some roast potatoes and some vegetables and some gravy and some rice and it, it was just too fantastic for it it's a very south african thing having two starches isn't it yes mm. You go to a, you go to a, a bride and an Afrikaner's house or something, and there'll be, actually there'll be three. There'll there'll be mealies, which is which is a starch. There'll be rice and yes. and there'll be potatoes. I think so. You get three there, yeah. but you only went for two. That's you good. You must remember, on, on, on if you go to bride places at, a, at at some Afrikaans people's houses, yeah, must remember chicken is classified as a vegetable. It is a vegetable. Yes, I've, I, I remember distinctly that's, that's, coming that's, here so and sometimes saying, sometimes you get you yeah. get you get five vegetables. Yes, sometimes. they get to give you some chicken as well. I let me tell you that. another story. This weekend, yeah. my my daughter, my daughter's out from uh, the UK. She lives in the UK now, and she went and she was in Cape Town. So I obviously flew down to Cape Town to go and see her, and stayed at the waterfront. Now, I think it was all domestic people, but the waterfront was packed, eh? Very good. This was Saturday night. It was packed. It was looking exactly the same as what it looked like, you know, pre-COVID, just that people were wearing masks, obviously. Mm. But the place was packed. The restaurants were full. The little boat rides were full. So I had a, I had a lovely time there. So luckily enough, it looks as though, you know, in particular, Cape Town and waterfront sort of tourist activity looks reasonably good, and that's, of course, a very good sign. It's a very good sign, and it also just tells you how it, what an incredible success story that has been for Growth Point. It Ooh, is Growth yes. Point. I mean, Norbert Sasser, when he, I don't know if he was involved in the acquisition process of, of that, but goodness me, okay, they spend a lot on it. They have, to, they have to keep on upgrading, but they keep on upgrading their rents as well. There's some eye-watering rents in yes. that, on that particular property, but what a success story for that property, JSE-listed uh, property it's company. success. Mm. Yeah, it's a huge success. That that must be the most successful 
investment in South Africa right now, and and maybe and maybe in the last fifty years, it's also the most successful. I know lots of people try to emulate that. I mean, I can remember when Durban tried to upgrade the whole Point Road, and they built the wheel in Durban. I mean, the wheel now is. You know, it's not quite the waterfront by a long stretch of the imagination. So that didn't work. Then they tried to make the um, area at the harbour mouth into a little waterfront. That didn't work. And now they've got the area around the aquarium, which is not bad, but it's not Cape Town waterfront. Now, Cape Town waterfront truly does work they've done, extremely well. They've done it twice in Johannesburg, and one was Bruma Lake, which was a complete disaster. Um, it was a disaster. And there was another one in the Randburg area. Was it the Randburg waterfront? Which, again, was just so ill-conceived and, and, and bad. Yes, no. yes, it, it, it was the Rand. It, it was called Brightwater. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Now, that didn't work. That would. That didn't. That had the, in fact, the one in Randburg was possibly worse than the Brumer one. I think so. Because the one in Randburg, the water was always stinky. <laughs> So that water's gone there now. And you can even, you can say Pretoria, Pretoria tried to do it at the Centurion Mall, but, you know, not nearly to the same, to the same scale as, as, as the Bruma and the Rainberg one. Uh, I suppose. Well, okay. no, You've you got to be at the sea. Yeah. You've got to be at the sea. You have to have the, the historical buildings there to add some atmosphere. You've got to actually have the, the boats, the seagoing boats going in and out of the harbour for people to look at. You've got to have the seagulls, you've got to have the seals. And the dolphins. You, know, you can't just add a bit of water and the dolphins and everything like that. Mm. So I actually went on a sea cruise, a little sun uh, sunset cruise, and it was lovely. Mm. I mean, I've, I've been on them before, but it still didn't detract from the fact that it was a, a, a really nice outing. At a, and the other thing I noticed is that it wasn't expensive. Eh? So maybe that's a COVID reality for Cape Town Waterfront. But the meals and the, the the meal I had there, that the meal that we had there on Saturday night, which was delicious. Where I had a kilogram of prawns, went to Key Four, you know, one of the old, oh yeah, the old favourites. Mm -hmm. But the, the the price of the meal there was cheaper than Joburg. Oh. So obviously there's competition there because the prices are actually comparatively very reasonable, quite frankly. Very good, but mostly domestic or just just finally uh, where there's a, where there are sprinkling of foreigners as well. I'd, I'll be honest, I didn't notice, in particular, didn't notice any foreigners, because you can normally spot a foreigner a mile off. You never have the Africa Big Five T-shirt on with they'll have a, a hat on and 50 cameras, you know, wrapped around their necks and, you know, looking like real foreigners. And someone, always, picking, someone picking their pocket, of course. Never forget the person yeah, trailing them who's going to yeah. nick, nick one of the cameras. But anyway. It's, it's always interesting when, when, when foreign tourists come to South Africa and they want to look like the, the locals. They always buy the Big Five T-shirt. And then they buy those funny, like, little vest things that go over the top of your shirt with no sleeves on it and a thousand pockets. And somehow they think they, they're in Africa and they're on safari now and they look like a local. <laughs> on that very sad note, Wayne, thank you very much for your insight, both from a tourist and uh, equity perspective. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.